Hello, my name's Gregory Wilker. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Live with Greg. Today is November 17th, 2019, and last night I learned that my podcast had way exceeded the resources I have to keep it alive as a video podcast. So I am actively working to move it to an audio podcast. The video is still available on my website, gregorywoker.com, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Live with Greg. Thanks for your support. Peter Sellers, who I've known since high school, but I think with the races, we came closer, and... Uh, yeah, the day at the races event. Yeah. I, we've been, I've been doing that for 30 years. Wow. Yeah, so it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so what sparked my interest is hearing your interview... That I was listening to the other day, and learning that the assassination of Lincoln wasn't a singular individual event. event. It's yeah. a conspiracy. Yeah, there were several people involved, and 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 uh, there were several people involved, and they were supposed to to kill the. Actually, I think they were supposed to kidnap uh, the president, and they thought twice about doing that. And they decided they would just assassinate all the leaders down the line, the president, the vice president, the secretary of state. Well, they had a pretty good attempt on the secretary of state. One of the individuals went there and and cut him up pretty bad and and, uh, and injured him and scarred him for life. that, that a lot of people don't know that. And, and then the vice president just happened to be out of, out of town that day, so they weren't able to get to him or the, or the assailants didn't get to him. And then the, uh, the president, you know, Lincoln, became a martyr. He was assassinated by Booth, and that's what people know. And Lincoln actually died the next morning at 7, 7 a.m. He didn't die immediately, so... Yeah, it was a conspiracy, and a lot of people, anybody who was associated with Booth uh, was either put in prison. Most of them were hung, uh, like Dr. Mudd, who treated him, uh, didn't even know what he had done, or supposedly didn't know what he had done, was sentenced to, uh, to prison, yeah, actually given a life sentence. He treated who, Dr. Mudd? He treated Booth, his broken uh, leg. Yeah, when Booth was on his 12-day, uh, I didn't even talk about this in the interview. Just, I, I gathered all this knowledge by, by uh, reading hundreds of books because to, to write a book about the Civil War, a new aspect of the Civil War, I wrote it from the, from the point of a fraternal organization, the Odd Fellows. I wrote it because I wanted to know their precepts played out against each other because their precepts are friendship, love, and truth. If you take an obligation to live up by those principles, friendship, love, and truth, and you're in the South or you're in the North and you're fighting each other, but you took an oath, how, how 
how is that playing out? So that had my interest, and how did that affect the lodges where they met? How did that affect the membership? And that's what was the impetus to this book. I wanted to know. I wanted to know what happened. What were the lodges meeting? What happened during the Civil War? I couldn't find anything. Very little. I found about 40 pages pertaining just to Texas, the state of Texas, which was in the South. But I wanted to know what was happening in every state with the Odd Fellows. So what I did is I started this odyssey of of gathering information. And and I didn't know if I would be able to find enough information because nobody had ever went down that road before. Nobody had ever written about the Odd Fellows during the Civil War other than a short story, a short blurb, or like I just mentioned, Texas, or just a little byline somewhere, never a collective story. I didn't know if I was going to find enough information. Um, I made it a point if I didn't get 100 pages of written material, I would put it out in articles. But if I ended up with 200 pages, I would write a book. And this was the third history book now that I have written, have written, and uh, uh, about the the order, the organization. But I tie it into what we're doing as a society. It's not just for the odd fellow's consumption. I'll sell far more of these books to the non-members than I will members. That's the case of the first two history books. I sold 8,000 of the first book, and I think the Oddfellows bought about 400 of those. So the membership really, I don't know if that's anything, if that's a compliment on the membership or not, but... uh, uh, It's a fact. Yeah, it's a fact. So I don't expect to sell a lot of, I've already sold about 700 of these. Uh, in the first month, so they're doing very well. People like the Civil War, so I know they're going to pick these up and to find a new angle on the Civil War that nobody has in their reference library is 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 important. It's a find. All right, so you found enough information to create a book. Yeah, I found enough information, but it wasn't an easy process. And I, I talk about that process, too, because I think that's fascinating. And if you heard that interview the other day, it, it, writing a history book or writing an article is a treasure hunt. It's a treasure hunt. You go out there and you're, you're looking for something. You're looking for that diamond in the rough. You're looking for something that's going to fit your story. And I'm reading through books. I think I bought uh, like 400 books for this project. And, and I wanted to read, I had to read through each one. Because yeah, not everything's listed in the index. We're only human. I make my own index, and I probably leave things out. But you have to read through every page. And sometimes I'll read through four books just to get a sentence, just to get a fact. So this is what this book is about. So if you read ten pages of the book, uh, you have to realize there's probably been about 30 books read to put those ten pages together. Do lodges keep historical documentation? Of- and then you hit the nail on the head because I needed first source information. 
to, to validate this book. If, if I'm going to sell this to a Civil War buff, which there are a lot of them in this country or in around the world, if I'm going to sell this book, I have to find first source information. Those come out of Minute Books. Minute Books have lodges now. Gaining access to those Minute Books takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of, I hate to use the word politics, uh, maneuvering, um, uh, establishing friendships, because not a lot of lodges like to open up their, their history to you. It, it, so your participation in this lodge didn't automatically open doors in this Oh, here, here I can, in my right, own lodge. I mean, when you go to yeah. a lodge in, in south of North South, when I go to a lodge, let's say in West Virginia or, or South Carolina, which there are none right now, and, or when I go to, I deal with a lodge in Georgia or Alabama, mostly in the south, I found more reluctance. As far as or or lack of knowledge, their members uh, probably don't even know their own history, and uh, I, I don't mean to uh, to belittle them, but uh, sometimes when I'm speaking to them, I'm I'm amazed that they don't know their history, uh, and and that goes for the people in general. I mean, you don't know the history of the Civil War unless you've read a lot about it, and that goes for anything, not just this. So it just occurred to me, the war predominantly took place in the South, right? It, yeah, because you had the, well, the furthest north, I, well, they, the, the, the South did go penetrate pretty far, but a lot of the battles were fought in Pennsylvania as well, like Gettysburg. You know, they did make their way up north, and, and, uh, but most of the battles, most of the destruction was in the South. And this, the... There's other things. I just you, you trigger so many things in my mind. I just want to go here, there, there, and, and, and tell you everything. But I'll tell you one story. I went to um, Washington D.C. One of the lodges there, and had made friends, uh, befriended a, a few of the members there, and most, uh, you know, some. Not most, but some lodges will, are very friendly, very open. There they hired a nonprofit to come in and uh, organize their, their books. They didn't look through the books, but they organized them by year and number, and it made it very easy for me. I went there, and they had about 10 lodges over the years and in Washington, D.C., and, and only like two or three were active still. But they had all the minute books from the other lodges, and they were organized. And I went into 1861, 1865. Sometimes I go a little bit earlier. But I pulled those out, had all my stacks of books here. They let me sit at a table, and I spent uh, two, two or three days going through each one till I could find something that related to the Civil War. And I found little things. I found little things, that blurbs I was able to take out. I took pictures of, of the actual beautiful handwriting, and I was able to extract uh, quite a bit. Did you find anything in the minutes where a lodge was discussing the challenge that you brought up at the beginning of our conversation of here's this code yes. of ethics? Yes, uh, I, not, not necessarily on friendship, love, and truth, but dealing with the, the brothers of the other lodges. There we didn't have women 
in the yacht for those lodges, but we had the Rebecca branch, but we didn't have women in the yacht for those uh, lodges. So when I speak of our members, I'm speaking about the brothers. Uh, they did speak about them, and they, they discussed them, and, and how we, can we contact them. And uh, they, it was mostly uh, empathy, you know, empathy for them suffering, and especially in the South, and, and they were especially from the North about the South, because they knew they were going through uh, quite a bit. And that those are the kinds of things I found. What I did find in Washington, D.C., and I mentioned this the other day, was um, I'm, I'm reading through this, and you have to remember the war goes through Lincoln, okay? Lincoln is everything the Civil War is about. Lincoln is part of the Civil War. When you think of the Civil War, you have to think of Abraham Lincoln, vice versa. Okay, and I'll go into that in a minute. But as I'm looking through this, I go up through Lincoln yeah, while the war is still going on when he was assassinated. And I, I see Secretary Seward uh, um, stabbed or, you know, injured in a knife attack. And one of the members named, I forget the first name, it's in there, Hansel. He went there. He was there visiting the Secretary of State that night. One of the members. He actually defended him as part of the fight, and so did Seward's son and, and other people. They were defending Seward, the secretary, fighting off this crazed, determined uh, man who wanted to kill him. And uh, Hansel fought him, too, and he got stabbed and cut. And it, it was right here. He was giving his report to the meeting to the membership like two days after and it's all written in this minute book and wow this is about the night of the Lincoln assassination uh, about Secretary of State and then next is Lincoln you know talking and discussing the sadness of Lincoln being assassinated and it was all here in the minutes the book hadn't been opened since 1865 you know did you know beforehand that the Secretary of State was a part of a plot. Yes, so yes because that. I had already uh, uh, delved into about ten books about that. Okay. Yeah, and, and plus I read, uh, there was a book a few years ago. I wish I remembered names. I, I'm totally. terrible. That's why I ended up writing so much. I'm terrible at memory. I can't memorize anything, and my friends will tell you that, too. And, I think that's a disability, but anyway, I started writing it down. And, but there was a book a few days, uh, a few years ago, maybe it's ten years ago now. But but it, it was the twelve days that Booth was on the run with his with his uh, co-conspirator, one of the co-conspirators, until they captured him or killed him at the farmhouse. So Booth Maryland. must have been pretty well, like, high up in society, right? Booth was, was uh, well-renowned. He was an actor. He came from a very prominent family. This, his father was one of the most famous theatrical actors there, there was. And this is the Booth plot, the, the, the cover. What it, you can see it, but I don't know if the camera That's picks it up. But, but you'll see where Booth is uh, supposedly buried. It has all the Lincoln pennies. I don't know the significance, but there were lots of Lincoln pennies on and around that little marble marker. This is the Booth plot. And that's in Maryland and wow. Baltimore at, at the Green Mile. 
Greenmont, uh, Greenmount Cemetery, and I had to go there and take lots of pictures to get this shot. So I'm not a great photographer, but uh, that's why I take so many different shots so I can come back and, and select them. I use a, a, a photographer too. I didn't talk about the other day, but but it's probably important that I mention the photography. It's just not me involved in these processes. It's it's bringing my wife. It's bringing other people. You'll see a list of names of people who I who I contacted who gave me. I contacted a lot of people, but the people who were able to assist me in one way or another, uh, I do recognize them in in the book. Any book. That that I work on, but but the photography is actually somebody you and I went to high school with, and uh, she created a, a business called Over the Moon Images, which is uh, uh, Kim Owens, and I think her name maiden name is uh, is um, what, uh, oh I forget. Jenkins, that's it. So uh, she actually is uh, probably one of the best. Uh, people with photography uh, who can uh, correct photos. She did many of the photos in here for me uh, through over-the-moon images. And, and uh, so that's why I have to credit these people. And I forget the, to do this all the time because I'm not done with projects. I still need to move ahead. So uh, she helped quite a bit in, on, on the images. And... Um, uh, when did you know you had a book instead of a series of articles? I'd say this book took four years. I'd say about year three. Wow. Year three. Year three quarters. I, I was still, people started finding out. Word got out. I was looking for information. And I would get the, the piece of the puzzle. But I still think there are missing things. That's why I wrote that this is not an inclusive book. It's not a complete book. It's not, but it is, um, it's everything I could find. There are things in lodges I know, and I know there are lodges. I, as I started out, I told you about lodges in the South. They're extremely reluctant, or there are members who are just ignorant. Of, of their history, and, and they don't know, they haven't delved into their their own records to, or their own histories. It's a lot of work sometimes. And What kind of reluctance would you get? Well, you know, for example, you may have something, there's something I pulled out of a newspaper in here that uh, one of the lodges allowed uh, slaves to be sold. Now, uh, you know, the, the members weren't allowed to own slaves, even before. So oddfellows didn't own slaves. They weren't, if you'd be removed from the order. In fact, I cited that in there too. It was against their code. Yeah. But it, I found it fascinating that they would allow their lodge to be used to sell slaves, to advertise that. So, so it's, they may not be owning slaves, but they, they were part of that. Uh, society then that allowed that in the South. Now I think that was South Carolina, but you know that's the way it was. And, you know, and, and but I also, on the other hand, I also talk about how that's good. That's good. I put all that in the book. I put the negative in there as well because I like to show how far we have progressed. 
because now everybody is allowed in this organization. Everybody. We have people of all walks of life. We have people, uh, you go into our community here in San Francisco, which happens to be San Francisco, that's a reflection of our membership here. So there is no discrimination. Um, I'm proud of that. And any discrimination that we do discover, we, we do put that down right away. Anyway, back to the book, I was able to talk about that as well, bring those kinds of things out. So everything with this book uh, leads up to something positive. So I start out with the most negative things, and I, I, I'm all over the place here, but I try to cover every base. Um, um, I know that's somewhat vague, you know, but but it... But the book's a great reference. The book tells you where, I know I'm digressing a little bit, but it, it'll let you know where Confederates are buried in Oddfellow cemeteries. It'll let you know which uh, members, uh, some members who died in the battlefield. I'm sure there were many, but I, the ones I found, or the ones I thought were significant, I did put those in the book because we lost members. We lost prominent members. Uh, we, we, our lodges were used as jails uh, during the battles our lodge, or during the war. Our lodges were used as hospitals during battles. Our lodges were used as planning for the military to, to make their battle plans. Uh, I mean, they were used uh, for quite a few uses. And, and there were lodges that were decimated. There were lodges that were robbed. Um, there's stories of that in here where where you had a lieutenant uh, trying to recover Oddfellow's property uh, because they knew it was important to the fraternal organization. So, so that was that comes out in the book as well. They, they they were trying to protect these things, but war is war. Lodges are going to become uh, like anything houses. And you look at Sherman's march. You know, we lost probably every lodge from uh, from uh, Atlanta all the way to the uh, to the sea. So, now my mind's going ping ping. ping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go any direction, and because this is, like I said, this is a new book. This is uh, this goes everywhere, and and uh, yeah, I did. I just saw that uh, Seward's assassination. You see, even finding the images of individuals um, putting the names to odd fellows who served in the Confederacy. I did a lot on the Confederacy, probably more on the Confederacy because there's so little out there. I wanted to concentrate and bring that out. I wanted to recognize uh, who those members were as well. Because, uh, as I said, these are members who are part of the Confederacy. Here they are. Where else are you going to find them in a collective book? Nowhere. Did you come across any diaries from any odd fellow members? No diaries. I didn't, I didn't come across any diaries. That would have been interesting. I imagine if they were out there, they would probably be with family. I think the closest thing to a diary is we talked about the minute books. Right. The minutes books, and so those were the those were the jewels. I, I had some members uh, when I, I mentioned West Virginia driving around also, 
it wasn't just always odd fellows, but I had a better understanding of, of the of the war, and I learned quite a bit too. They would drive me to battle sites. They would take me. And there was one member uh, who, what we called our sovereign grandmaster, and, and knowing him, staying at his house for a few days and. He would take me to different battle sites where the first battle was fought in West Virginia, and uh, I thought that was fascinating. Um, he actually owns, well, he says he owns uh, uh, Stonewall Jackson's couch. He acquired that, and I absolutely believe him, but, but it's there in his living room, and, and so they're very proud. Uh, the people from the South are very proud of their heritage, too. And, you didn't have to tell me that because in the in the foreword of this book, I wrote about my uncles, my great great uncles, both were in the Civil War, and they were my grandmother used to tell me about her two uncles on each side. One was north, one was south, and one was from Arkansas, one was from Tennessee, and uh, one was injured in the war, and she would tell me about these. And, Yet, I think they lived until about the 1930s, these two uncles. But she got to grow until she was an adult and married. She, she knew her uncles. And she would tell me about them. And I managed to get their records years ago. And, and so I had these on the show. Well, how can I work this in and, and tell, you, tell you about the Arkansas infantry? And the, yeah, family, I used that because I wanted to show how how deep that was, how families were divided. My family was from the South. My family came from Missouri and then before that, Tennessee. Uh, so there's a Southern part. I used to hear quite a bit um, growing up uh, from my grandmother and from that side of the family dealing with the Civil War. And so uh, we did have a direct connection because our relatives fought and I enlisted them by name. And so people look at me, oh, what's a guy from California writing about uh, the Civil War? And what do you know about the South? And well, I know quite a bit about the South, you know, because I was brought up with a, a Southern influence. I know about hush puppies and, and uh, deep fried catfish and grits. I know, I know quite a bit about the South, and I also, you can compound that by being, I was in the military, by, by being trained in, partially in the South, too. So, you, you know, I learned quite a bit, and so I, I feel I was the right person to put this book together, and, and that's why... That's why I had to write it. I had to write it because I'm also considered one of the historians in this state for the organization, which gave me access to other books, which I, I had one gentleman who passed away. His name was Don Smith, who, another past sovereign grandmaster, who his wife had given me his entire book collection. So this gave me more access. And I, I would have been remiss not to take advantage of that. I had already written two history books about the organization. Here I'm given hundreds of more books. Why wouldn't I do this uh, service for the order? And that's what I did uh, with all my accesses, with all my relationships, with my ability to travel. You know, that it made it much easier for me to put this together. Do you have a role of leadership in this lodge? 
Uh, I, I managed a building, that's about it. I thought this building was worth saving. I did. I used to be what they called the grandmaster in, in this state for the jurisdiction of California. Now I'm uh, uh, the... Uh, I'm the representative for the state of California. I'm, I'm part of the Sovereign Grand Lodge. I'm a representative to that. So when I, in August, for example, I will go to um, North Carolina and, and uh, interact and discuss the business of the organization, the order. So you started off saying that you were interested in how the codes of the Odd Fellows were being lived out during such a yeah. traumatic time as the Civil War. Yeah, that's... Has your learning influenced you as a representative, part, odd fellow participating in a leader? Yet yeah, some people may not uh, say, I, I, I know friendship, love, and truth. Okay? I know those principles, and I practice them with... With those who, who practice, uh, uh, um, that's one of the employees. He's bringing you a check for your parking. The, uh, um, I practice those with people who practice it with me. Okay? I can turn it on, but uh, there's also, I have to go into this, and it's probably, this is something recent, but I don't know how positive this is on the organization, even though we have a non-discriminatory policy, uh, there's still discrimination, and it's because we're, you have to know, um, we're from California, the laws are different, the culture is different, uh, we allow uh, people to smoke pot. We have lodges that the guys leave the room, they go out and back after the meetings, and they smoke a joint. I have no problem with that. I'm from California. Okay? They're members. Now, members over here in the Midwest, where it's illegal, will say that's a lack of morals. That's a, that's a moral issue. And... Okay, for you it may be, and they apply that to Christianity, and I don't know, I know how that comes into it, but I don't know why they're doing that. So, do I practice friendship, love, and truth? Yes, I would, but I hear such disparaging remarks made about these members over here. I don't smoke pot. Okay, I gave that up years ago. I did smoke, and I did inhale when I was in high school, but I had to quit because I joined the Marines, okay? I don't deny that, but I haven't smoked pot for many, many decades, you know, so I, you know, but I know how these guys are, and it's legal here, so it's not an issue. They have an issue, so when I hear disparaging remarks, can I practice friendship, love, and truth like I was looking for in this story? No, I can't. I can. It's very difficult for me, but I, it's easy for me to come back to that, though. It's easy if somebody says, well, yeah, I misunderstood. I go, well, let's talk about it then. Let me try to, let me try to explain to you and educate you on, on why you should be tolerant of this. At least be tolerant and not say something disparaging to these members because I'm going to have to defend these guys because they're not doing anything wrong. And, and so there's, there's where our conflict is. Or how about, 
uh, the guys in the South, you know, they deal with the Confederate flag, you know, which has deeper meaning to, to them because their families were involved in it. That's their home. And then you have people out here that take a more liberal attitude and maybe say disparaging things to them. So I don't like to hear that either. It, it, it goes both ways. The other day, I, for example, we, our lodge, our organization here participates in every parade. We don't we don't distinguish one parade from another. We are in the we are in the uh, New Year's parade. We're in the uh, St. Patrick's Day veterans. Well, they combine veterans and Columbus Day. They combine those, and we're in the Pistahan, which is a Filipino parade, and and we're also in the um, the Pride parade. And you can imagine how that goes over with the the. The people over here in, 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 in the South, or the people in the Bible Belt, they, they, they detest that. Somebody actually wrote the word detest. I detest that. And it, it, it was so, it, I use the word despairing a lot today. It, it was bad. It was bad. And I, um, does that make me angry? Yes, it does. Not angry, but does it make me want to respond? Yes, it does. You know, I respect every community out here. I'm not gay, but I still march in the parade. You know, I still support who's in our community. We have to. I took a picture the other day, and there's at least 10,000 people around our building. What am I going to do? Go out there and say I'm not, I don't support you? We would have no members in this lodge. We're the largest. We're the largest district in this whole country, in San Francisco. We have more members here than any other place in this country. If we don't embrace our community, whether it be black, whether it be Asian, whether it be gay, whether it be anything, if we don't embrace our community, we don't have a lodge here. Odd Fellowship dies here. If it dies here, it dies in this state. Well, doesn't it seem like one of the cornerstone precepts of Odd Fellows is you're you and I meet, and there's a brotherhood that can exist. And that's exactly it's the way it's working here. Why isn't it working with with us across the country? I, I, I don't know if it's a lack of education. You know, I had formal education when I left the service or during the service. I, I went to college. You know, I learned a lot more. I learned those things I was refusing to learn as an adolescent. I learned because I wanted to learn. And maybe I've learned more. I've had more life experience. I've had death experience, life and death experiences. I've been on the other end of a pistol to my head. I've been in a, a critical condition from a car accident in a coma. I have been there. I have faced death. So I take things a little lighter or I take things a little serious. It just depends on the situation. I really don't have anything to lose. Okay, I, I walk away from this organization, I have far less uh, burden, I have more freedom, but I'm committed. I took those oaths of friendship, love, and truth, so that's where I start from. I go, okay, you guys are saying this, I'm going to try to say, hey, can you work this out a little bit, you know, can we talk about it? 
So would you go to, is it North Carolina you're going to? Yeah, I'm going to North Carolina, and most people will see me, uh, most people would see me as a liberal. They don't know me. Okay, I'm just more open-minded. Okay, I'm not a liberal. I'm an NRA life member. I'm a, the, the guys, you know, I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. You know, I mean, you want to know my politics? I my because that's what they seem interested in. You know, I, you know, you want to. I, I actually think with an open mind. You know, I vote what what helps Pete Sellers. What helps me the best? Okay, I, I'm a big Second Amendment uh, proponent. Okay, and I respect your opinion. You tell me you're not, I'll understand where you're coming from. I'm cool with that. I'm come, but at least I can, I'm not going to shoot anybody. I'm not going to hurt anybody. I use it man, mainly for target practicing or, or skills. I'm fascinated by weaponry, and that's what I did in the service. You know, I, I'm, I'm trained, too. I went for safety classes. I, you know, I did the right things to own a weapon, and I follow the laws. But, but, to, but I vote for the, That would be something I would, I would vote for, and that's the reason I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. Had nothing to do with her being a woman. Had nothing to do with her being a Democrat. Had nothing to do with her involved in this other, these other situations. It had nothing to do with that. And I don't think we, America had the best two candidates running anyway at that time. I, I, I just don't think we did. It all plays out in this. It all plays out in this friendship, love, and truth. Now go back to the Civil War. It's the same thing. How did the members play that out? South and North. I mean, South and North. We're, we seem to be at odds still. Okay? There seems to be some differences. It seems like you and me sitting here, we can say we are brothers, we are friends first. If we get into a disagreement, it doesn't change that. Yeah. So then we can approach a disagreement from that place. We're friends. Yeah. We're in disagreement. We'll figure it out. And that's what we'll have to do or or, or it'd be unfortunate. I, I feel, I, I swear, I feel hurt if I see somebody leave an organization. I'd rather see them stay in the organization and stick up for what they believe in and, and make their point known. I've changed my mind over the years. I've, I've learned more about why people think the way they do. I, I have, part of my degree was in sociology, too. So, so I, you know, learning about how people function, too, as groups function with each other, that's helped me, too. I harbor no ill feeling. But I harbor, I, I, I'm, I'm dismayed when I hear harsh remarks made about people who are here having a good time promoting the organization. That hurts me. I'm hurt first. I'm not angry. It just turns into more resentment as I think about it. And I read these words, I go, how could you write those? And, and watch, now watching a battle ensue, and it's like, oh my gosh. I know I'm going to have to jump into this and and uh, and defend some uh, some opinions and, and and then I get involved and, and that's where I come from and when I go to North Carolina I, it seems like every time I go there I, I'm I'm looked uh, I'm looked down upon or there's some resentment because I'm from California 
and ask any odd fellow on the leadership level in, in California, and they'll tell you there's resentment toward this state. They see us all as San Francisco, you know, and I, I don't know why they can't get over that, or we can't get over them, and we need to merge that, or this organization will die. The organization is growing, though, and it's grown in California for the last three years, so that's a good thing. Um, so it does the whole organization a benefit. The uh, Odd Fellows around the world are growing right now, They're growing exponentially, uh, growing fast in Europe. But now we have them popping up in Germany. Philippines have grown, I think, 15 or 16 lodges now. So everything is growing right now. Uh, but outside California, you probably have a handful of states that are growing. Uh, but the rest are dying because my belief is they're not inclusive. My belief is that they're still setting up barriers. And I don't want to accuse any lodges of, of what those barriers are, but privately, uh, uh, off camera, I, I would tell you what those barriers are, and you could just imagine. You know, we've talked about people, you know, they don't think very morally who smoke marijuana. You know, that, hey, it, I can think of far worse things than smoking marijuana. A bottle of 151 seems yeah. a whole lot worse. You walk outside these doors, and I can show you 15 drug dealers right now. 15, and I'm not exaggerating. 15 drug dealers selling methamphetamine or crack and heroin, which is an epidemic here right now. And I can show you that, and it, it's killing people out there. I guess that's where I'm coming from. I'm here every day, and I see that, and I come in here, and I listen to somebody complain about pot. And I'm like, you're, you're way off. You're way off on what, what we're dealing with. And, and, uh, and we need to practice more friendship, love, and truth. And, well, that's what the organization is about. And there are several principles, but these are the three. Uh, that's our motto, friendship, love, and truth. And, and talking about all these differences, doesn't that make you wonder how did that play out in the Civil War? You know, because that's what, that's what got my interest. I wanted to know. In this book, do you have a story, like, uh, like a thread that goes a beginning, middle, end? Is there something? No, uh, that was difficult to do. I, I did, I started out in the first chapters... I actually, I had, after the opening, I put 1861, 1862, 1863, 1864, and 1865 as chapters to show you what was happening in that year. I was trying to progress, but I would find it would take me in, within that chapter to another year on, on a same thread. So it was very difficult to do, so I, I had to retitle them. Um, chapter 2, Prelude to the Civil War. So I, each one had to. Chapter 3, The Separation. Uh, that, uh, that would have been 1861. I put 1861, The Separation. But each one was defined, uh, defined by their year. Chapter four, the odd fellows in action. This dealt with the, really the start of the battles, people dying, men dying, um, 
action. Is this from the minutes? Uh, these are actually, I, I, um, I wonder if I have pictures. Uh, see if I can show you something here. I know we're on camera and no, yeah, nobody will be able to see this. But this would be interesting. I mean, you can, uh, you can attest to this. You can say, this is great. You can always uh, email it to me and I'll put it in. I'll okay. It in. Let me see what we have. Wow, you still have all the photos. Yeah, I save photos because some people, just in case, um, uh, some people, well, well, come on, where'd you find that? Right. And I can show you how beautiful the, the writing is, too. I have, oh, wait, no, those are some records. See, anything that dealt with the book, I took a, an image. Hey, look at this. You want me to show you something here? Here's something. I went to a place called Lookout Point in Maryland. This is a state park today. They still fly the Confederate flag. So in the more rural parts, the places we're reading about uh, where the, they're taking down statues, that's not happening in the rural parts. That's still, you probably won't get away with that so easily. Um, and I talk about the statues as well. I talked about the, uh, oh, here you go. These minute books. Here we go. See, like, wow. So you read these? Holy yeah, these. Yeah, I read these old books. I see. see. Hansel. See, E H Hansel. Yeah. So I took pictures of right out of the books. That is cool. Yeah, this is a side. That is beautiful cursive writing. It's it's so interesting that cursive is yeah. a dying art form too. I mean, every little fact I could find out of the books, I, I took pictures of. Then I brought it back and, and transcribed it. And while we were there, we visited more Maryland areas of the South because that's when I have family that lived there. And they took us to a place called Lookout Point and where the, a bunch of the Confederate soldiers are buried. And so that didn't necessarily go along with the book, but going to the historical uh, places uh, was. I mean, that, that, that educated me even more. So I had to learn everything around this order, around the Civil War, and, and everything that encompassed that war to put it into this book to make sense of it all. I couldn't just list a fact and leave it. I had to, build, I had to work around it, and, and I didn't know where, what I would come up with. I didn't know if I'd come up with more of a narrative type of story, if I could do that, pull that off. But as it fell into place, it did some of that in the book. And there was just enough of that to put the book together. That had to come together, too. And you had an editor. Yeah, I hired an editor. However, uh, when you see an editor out of Ohio, and she's pretty darn good. She's done some good work. She was referred to me. So the only thing, it's probably my fault because I probably went back to the forward to change something, but I penned an ED there because the grammar is wrong. Nothing was misspelled, but uh, nothing's misspelled in this, in this book. And there was, uh, there's an I here. Now I talked to the printing company. Let me show you something. So there are three, three basic issues in this book that, that had my eyebrows go up. 
Was that one the ED? That was one. But this one here, they, the printing company tried to see what's that. That's a word in, okay? So, so what? They told how could that have happened? That was supposed to, that's a capital I. Right. They told no, it's a lowercase. Lowercase I, where's the, the dot? You understand what I mean? That's their mistake, not my mistake. How could the computer leave off a dot? Right. So, so. Why not capitalize. So, but most people won't pick it. Yeah, that's what I think is so funny because that those are pestering you, where in the light of the information... Yeah, that's, that's, that's the emphasis, and I mean, that's the importance of the information. But for me, uh, to make a good book, you, you have to... Sh I shoot for perfection. Right. I really shoot for that, not just good. If I shoot for good, it won't be good. If I shoot for perfection, it'll be a good book. Now, uh, I see some imperfections here as far as... But I don't feel bad because... I didn't misspell anything. I didn't... You won't find too many... You, you won't find too much grammar that's incorrect here. And, you know, it, this is pretty well written. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. This book will stand on its own. How does your partnership with your wife influence your work and your deeds? Oh, it's very important. I mean, she travels with me. And when she travels with me, she may pick up on something. Uh, a location or a thought. Uh, did you look for this? Did you look for that? She's very intuitive to the uh, for the information as well. But that goes with like I talked about uh, other people involved. The names here. I can go write down the names uh, who I thank. Well, I noticed that you had a photo of a woman in one of the chapters when you were just flipping. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was, that's an interesting story. It's a story of a woman in Idaho uh, who, um, she eventually became what we call the Rebecca, which is uh, the women of the Odd Fellows then, uh, when women and men were separate. There's, Rebecca still exists today, but she was uh, a... Um, a wife of a, of a member who fought. And, uh, well, she, no, he wasn't a member, but he fought and he was injured. And she wanted to really go with him and help him. He was in, in some battle site, in some hospital, and she just wanted to help him during his recovery. But the army wouldn't let her, the government wouldn't let her. But she was able to join as a nurse. And so she joined the, 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 the army as a nurse, and as the senator who she wrote to uh, pulled some strings, and she was able to go and be with her husband. And what, anyway, she stayed with him, a great love story, and she eventually became the president of the Rebecca Assembly of the Odd Fellows. So her story is fa fascinating as well. And I managed to pull that one little piece of story out of an Odd Fellows book uh, that was given to me by Don Smith, uh, Don Smith's estate. So that helped me a great deal. Uh, so, but there are people here. Uh, um, the Grand Secretary sent me a, a picture from Ohio, or uh, past Sovereign Grand Master I mentioned, Larry Ferguson. He was able to take me around the battle sites. Uh, this person, Philip Folk from Harper's Ferry, that's a very old lodge. Harper's Ferry used to be part of Virginia, Virginia number one, that's the name of the lodge. 
the name and number, but when they divided uh, West Virginia, when it became West Virginia in 1863, West uh, Virginia Lodge Number One was now in West Virginia. So, but that was a battle site, Harper's Ferry, and the Army occupied uh, their lodge and, and uh, eventually gave them an armory after the war, and, and they were able to reestablish their lodge. So their lodge is actually part of history, part of that Civil War, the great battle that was in Harper's Ferry. So, so the, I needed some pictures from the interior, which I didn't have. He was able to provide some pictures as Philip Falk. Uh, Jimmy Humphrey uh, had many discussions. He's from Georgia, and we were able to talk uh, about, um, he's from Savannah, able to talk about Andersonville, the prison, or, or how they, the Oddfellows laid a monument at Andersonville in honor of those uh, prisoners who had died. Or Nancy Johnson, she gave me the information on a major uh, who was a member of Niles Canyon here, uh, who was killed, shot and killed. And um, she was able to give me a, a file on him, so I was able to in, include that. This Nick Kry, Kryloff, he was a historical research associate who put those books in order in Washington, D.C. for the Oddfellows. They were a nonprofit, and I was able to go there and access these very quickly. And then Ken Laswell, who I spoke with um, about today, the Oddfellows make a pilgrimage to Mississippi, uh, to um, the home of Jefferson Davis. Uh, there are many Confederate buried there. And um, so they go there and they bestow uh, a wreath, a recognition on, on those unknowns who were there at that cemetery. The Oddfellows do that, so he was able to tell me more about that. Donald McMillan, he was, he was then the Grand Master. I hope he's still a member, and, but he was able to get me access to the Washington, D.C., to those books as well. Um, Scott uh, Moya, I was trying to find out about members who may have died in, I think it was Alabama. I think it's Alabama, and I couldn't find any, but I know many perish, and he was able to give me one lead, and I followed up on that. You can see uh, uh, Kim Owens, we spoke about. She did the layout for the, and the photography and the cover design. She put it exactly the way I want. Anything that dealt with photography, that's who you'd want to go to, and that's who I go to. Um, I'll get to this one last. I'll skip that. Another person in uh, Washington, D.C. who gave me access. Uh, John Slate, an odd fellow historian in Texas, who was able to give me information as well. So these different states, these are people who responded to me. And really that's not a lot, given I, I asked for hundreds. I asked hundreds of people. So that's all I was able to get back. That's what I mean about reluctance. To put this book together was very challenging. I had to do a lot of digging. I had to use newspapers.com too. I had to, I had to uh, not just Google. I had to go to university libraries and look for information. I had to go to digital collections, whatever people had posted, whatever the libraries had managed to post. I, I, I looked for leads. I looked for anything I could. It was, as I said, a treasure hunt too. It's a treasure. So when I found something, it was like, wow. And I found something more important. Wow. When it fit, wow. You know, it just got better and better and better.
this was becoming a book. That's the process of the book. Finally, um, this Emmanuel uh, Page, Emmanuel Page uh, gave me some uh, information where to look up about the Oddfellows, the Black Oddfellows, which is a Grand United Order of Oddfellows, and they still exist. And, and that barrier is being broken now today, which is good. We have members joining the, the Grand United, and we have Grand United joining the Oddfellows. So where it may not be happening outside as much in recent years, it's happening within the order. That is something positive. We are uniting. So that's where friendship, love, and truth is playing out. I, did, I have a chapter here on the Grand United Order of Oddfellows because they weren't part of the Independent Order of Oddfellows because they were um, blacks weren't allowed to join the Oddfellows in the 1840s. They created their own uh, charter or granted their own charter for Manchester Unity to become Grand United Order of Oddfellows. And they grew. And uh, there's a story in here about a member of the Grand United who was a slave who had to work at the uh, a arms factory in Macon, Georgia and making uh, weapons for the Confederacy. And while he was a slave, uh, no, uh, he obviously worked at this factory. And, and once slavery ended, or once he, the war was over, he became a member of the Grand United Order. And I wanted to include that. I wanted that aspect, what was happening with the Grand United. And I was able to find some information enough to create a chapter. And, and I, I, starting with their founder, Peter Ogden, and, and building on that. And, and then talking to Emmanuel Page, he was able to fill in any gaps I had. So as you can see, it's, it's a collective effort. I, I need the help. I couldn't write this without the help. And that goes for any, if you're going to write a history book. I didn't just read these guys. I, I mean, I remember that series, uh, the, uh, the series of Civil War done by Burns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched all 18 uh, uh, segments of that, and I just remember how well that was done. And uh, when I'm writing, I'm trying to write at that level. I'm trying to put together a story at that level because I see things done in documentaries. I see those done, so I'm trying to put together that when I say I'm shooting for perfection, that's what I'm trying to do. And um, so I, I have no doubt the book's quality is excellent, and the book's content is excellent. And you or anyone won't find more content on the Civil War and the Oddfellows unless it's in this book. Anywhere else. Is there a single message that you would leave people with that this book speaks to? That's a loaded question, <laughs> you know. Is there a single message? Uh, is there a single message? I can give you a whole bunch of messages, but I can tell you it's an education. Education. 
If you want to learn, if you want to be in the dark, don't read this book. If you, that's, you know, I wrote it. I wrote it to educate, to educate you. I wrote it to educate people. If you're, if you're interested, you want to be knowledgeable, it just isn't about the order either. It's, it's just one organization. This could really be applied to another organization or another organization. This book uh, hopefully is the impetus for other organizations. Hey, I wonder what our group was doing. The only other book I was able to find that did that, an organization, was from, I think, about 1963. A member of the Masons wrote about theirs, but I've never been able to get a copy. I saw a picture, but it was out of print, and I've always wanted to get a copy of that. But... That's the only thing. So other organizations, I'm sure they have uh, articles or, or maybe uh, pieces in their lodge or, or some type of statement in their lodge what was happening. But, but uh, hopefully uh, um, this will get, be the impetus for them to, to write their story. It's education. If you ask me what you take away from this, what the, most me- the biggest message here is education. Education is important. Education is everything. And and, um, it's not just reading this book. It's reading all the books around it. It's learning everything around it. It's education. It's part of the education process. Uh, For me, remember I told you about I forget a lot, and that's why I write? Do you know... I probably can't remember 90% that's in this book. I mean, I'm, an, I'm looking forward to going back and reading it. Okay? It's been a while since I've... I haven't read it while it's all been put together. I, I wrote it in chapters. I wrote it in sections, you know. So, so I'm looking forward to going back and, and, and just really reading it and enjoying it and getting my education. Okay? If I want to find something about the order during the Civil War, guess what? It's here now. I don't have to go search. It's here. And as people respond to this book, I'll learn more. You know, I learned about the, the Odd Fellows Clipper ship that was used by the Confederacy. That's not in here because somebody turned me on to that. You know, they knew I was writing a book. This is already going to print. And so people told me things. So I'm going to learn more in response to this book. My education will be fulfilled. Um, that's that's what I'm going to say, education. Right. That's the answer. Right. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Uh, no, just it's, it's always good to talk about um, one of my most interesting subjects is history. You know, as I said, it's a treasure hunt.